0: mindfulness mode 219.
1: The breath is just an awesome tool that you can carry around with you. It's directly under your nose. You can use it anywhere. Nobody knows that you're using it and it anchors you basically into this moment.
0: Reach new heights of calm focus and happiness right here on mindfulness mode with me your host and mindfulness life coach Bruce Lankford. Last time, Mindful Tribe, we had a guest on who's very, very funny, but he also has a, a serious side and a tremendous amount of knowledge and insight. His name is JP Sears. He is well known on YouTube and on online because of his viral videos, but there's so much more to him. And you'll find that out if you go back and listen to the last interview, number 218, He was funny, but he was also serious as he talked about how humor can play a huge role in bullying. Well, today, mindful tribe, my guest starts her day with peace and alignment before her four children even wake up. And I said to her, I said, how do you do everything? How do you do your work as a speaker and as a writer and all the work you do? And still, you know, you're a mother. And we talked, it was really excellent. I think that you'll enjoy this this interview with Shira Taylor-Gura. So thanks for joining Mindful Tribe. And if you're new here, thanks for joining as well. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview with Shira. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm excited today. I have Shira Taylor-Gura on the line. So Shira, how are you?
1: i'm doing great thanks that's
0: good and i always ask my guests are you in mindfulness mode today shira
1: so give me one second yes i am right now
0: ah that's good we sometimes do need a second or two to get into mindfulness mode that's for sure i'm going to read a little bio about you shira shira taylor gura is an expert at helping people get unstuck She's a well-being coach and author of the book called Getting Unstuck. And she believes fear and desire are huge factors causing people to feel stuck. Trained in psychology and occupational therapy, Shira uses what she's learned in those areas and through personal experiences to help others. She's a firm believer that it's important to learn to give your brain a break, which is one of the things that we're going to be talking about. So let's talk about mindfulness first. Tell us, what's your definition of mindfulness, Shira?
1: So to me, mindfulness is a purposeful redirection of your attention to being with what is in the moment, without any sense of judgment, and with a sense of curiosity.
0: Curiosity, and with no sense of judgment. I really like that. So now, digging into the whole area of being stuck, what does it truly mean to be stuck? Let's start there
1: okay so being stuck basically means having a story in your mind and that story is composed of thoughts and emotions and being stuck in that story basically means you're attached to it it means you can't really have a full glimpse of reality you can only see your side or your perspective of that story reality is clouded you can't consider any other way of being or thinking you're simply inside your own story that's what it means to be stuck
0: so i've talked to a lot of guests who are experts at stories and they talk about how you know we can use storytelling to help us in our business or but how do we change our own personal story how do we actually do that
1: So your story doesn't necessarily have to be a negative or a bad thing. So when you get stuck, it doesn't necessarily mean you're doomed. It actually can be an opportunity for you. Every time you get stuck, it's an opportunity for you to be able to look at your story in a different light, in a different perspective, in a different lens and choose another way or consider choosing another way. And so I use the stuck method to go from a place of being stuck and to a place of where you can enhance your well-being and move on from that challenging place.
0: So tell us what is the stuck method? I know it's an acronym and I know what the S stands for, but I want to hear it from you.
1: Okay. So, well, I do workshops workshops on this. So I really could talk an hour and a half just on the method, but I'll give you the kind of like the Cliff Notes version of it. So it is an acronym. It's a self-help technique and it's easy to remember and it's very effective. So it stands for S-T-U-C-K. And basically, even before you can do this method, there's actually a couple of prerequisites. So if you're stuck in a situation if you're stuck on anger with someone, or you're stuck on frustration, or you're stuck on disappointment, or you're stuck on anxiety, whatever, all of any emotion that you might be stuck on, before you can actually process through this method and get yourself to a place of being unstuck, the first thing you actually need to do is admit that you are stuck. Mm -hmm. Because most of the time when we get stuck on something, we actually point the finger at somebody else Uh and we say, they're causing me to feel this way. But in order to get unstuck, you need to take responsibility and say, I'm responsible for how I'm choosing to react in this situation. And if I want to get unstuck, then I'm the one who's responsible to choose how I'm going to be. So that's important. That's super important. You'll never get unstuck if you're constantly pointing the finger at somebody else.
0: No, for sure. And that then, makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah. And then the other prerequisite is that you actually have to have a, you actually have to want to get unstuck, Right. which which sounds kind of like obvious, but when you think about it, if you're in a really challenging situation, if you're angry, if you're in a fight with somebody, in that moment, you might not want to get unstuck because being stuck might serve you. It might feel good to be angry in that moment. You might just be like, leave me alone, I just want to be angry. So if you don't have that desire to kind of get out of that place, you're also never going to get unstuck. So that's really important. Those are the two prerequisites, even before you even think about going through this method. Okay. If you admit that you're stuck and if you are saying, I want to get unstuck. Then you can start the process. So S T U C K. S stands for stop. And we can go. I can go as deep into the method as you want, but I'll just say the um, the letters briefly, and then you can sure. ask me questions. So S is stop. T is for tell. That's where we access our emotions, where we're admitting what we're stuck on. Like I'm stuck on anger. I'm stuck on frustration. And you're really allowing yourself to feel that emotion in that step. And then U is for uncover, and that's where we basically dig really deep and look at our thoughts. What are we thinking in that moment? What, what are the thoughts that comprise that story? And with each thought, you ask yourself, you investigate the thought, you ask yourself, is that thought 100% true? Is that, is that 100% accurate? Most of the time, our thoughts are limiting thoughts and they're not 100% accurate. The next step is C, which is consider. And this is where we basically stretch our considering muscles. I call them considering muscles in our minds and our brains. And you really stretch your mind to come up with as many considerations as you can for that story. So you're basically saying, you know, I, I can consider this perspective or I can consider that perspective. And then the K stands for okay, which is self compassion, it's forgiveness, it's saying to yourself, okay, I got unstuck. Um, but that's really not the end. The end is to say, I have to remind myself, I got stuck on, let's say, anger in the first place, and it's it's okay, it happens. And unless I remind myself that it's okay, I might get stuck on self judgment or resentment or embarrassment that I got stuck in the first place. So that's that's it in a nutshell.
0: Well, you, you say that many of us are stuck because of anger. So how do we dig in and find out what our anger is? I know that you said we stop, we tell, we uncover. How do we uncover the roots of that anger?
1: So basically you have to look at what triggered you and you can go back to that moment and then think about what were you thinking? Like what were your immediate thoughts? And I'll give you a quick example. This happened last summer. I went to my car. Um, I live in a very small community, and I had parked my car on a dirt road, not in a parking lot, just in a dirt road, There were no lines, you know, for, but I, I parked it in a, in a place where people park their cars. And I came to my car the next morning, and I found that there was a note on the windshield, handwritten, anonymous. And the note said, you parked in two spots, you should be more considerate next time. And that pissed me off (laughs) Uh because I live in a very small community. We're only about 60 families. Um, It was anonymous, the note, but I think I knew who it was. And of course, I didn't park in two spots. It was impossible to park in two spots on a dirt road. And I have a very tiny car and I'm a very considerate person. And I was like, oh, like who would do this? Right. Mm -hmm. I got I got stuck in that moment on anger. And so what I did was I, S, I took a stop, I closed my eyes, I took a breath, I turned inwards. T, I told myself what I was stuck on, which, which emotion, which was anger. So the U, which is what you're asking about, is what was I thinking? Like, what, what was I thinking in that moment? The moment I saw that note and I read it, what was I thinking? And I, would, I said to myself, I believe my neighbor should not be writing notes on my windshield. Right, like That was a thought that I had, and then I investigated that. Is that 100% true? And the answer to that is, no, I mean, if my neighbor wants to write notes on my car, I guess she can, right? That's an yes. example. Um, I, I believe um, my neighbor should have come to me, like instead of writing a note, she should have come to me. That was a thought I had, right? And I investigated that thought, is that true? not necessarily maybe she was in a rush maybe she doesn't feel comfortable talking to people maybe she has social issue problems right so I kind of like what was I thinking the moment that I was I read that note what thoughts were coming to my mind and you just dig and you just dig as much as you can and do you
0: Um, sometimes dig using the method of journaling
1: yes um, that's actually how this whole thing started, this whole story. My, my book and everything started about five years ago um, where I started a blog and the blog was really a personal journal. I had no intent of anybody seeing my blog except for my closest family. And I was writing once a week, and I was journaling basically about a stuck situation that I was in and trying to kind of process through it. This was even before I created the method. I was just kind of trying to process, like, how can I take another perspective on this? And, Mm -hmm. you know, what was I feeling and things like that? And through the journaling, I realized how I was able to get out of these really – challenging situations and through the journaling actually is how I came up with this method and then I grew an audience by chance and and then it turned into a book so absolutely I encouraged my clients I encouraged so many people to um, to write why it's so important because when you take the thoughts that are in your head and you take them out and you put them on paper you put them on a screen on a computer screen you really have that chance to to look at your thoughts in a kind of um in a different way kind of like in an unbiased way and you can really investigate it and you can really be curious about it like was I thinking that like you know was I was thinking I didn't know I was thinking that but all of a sudden you realize you were because you took it out of your head and you are looking at it so You know, you weren't. We don't usually do that in our lives. We usually keep the thoughts in our minds. And and then we don't get the chance to really investigate it in that way. It's really fascinating to use writing as a tool.
0: Yes, it is fascinating. Shira, I know that you talk about fear and anger as reasons sometimes that we get stuck. But you also talk about something else, and that is desire. You talk about how desire can cause us to get stuck. And that one doesn't, you know, I'm not as clear on how that is a way to get stuck. Can you explain that to Mindful Tribe?
1: Yes. So desire is a huge one. I'll give you a simple example that probably everyone can relate to. Mm -hmm. So um, let's say you're going out to dinner and to a, a nice restaurant, you had your meal, you, you're listening to your body, your body says you're full, you're satisfied. Maybe you even have some um, food left on your plate. The waiter takes it away, you know you're satisfied. And then the waiter comes back and says, would you like some dessert, right? But your body says, I, I'm satisfied, I don't want any more. But you're looking at the dessert tray And you get stuck on desire to have just a piece of that cheesecake, let's say, okay? So, okay, so then you bring it out and that's not a problem. You know, we can have a piece of cheesecake and the cheesecake comes and you put it down and you say, I'm just going to have a piece of it. And you take a bite and it's delicious. And the next thing you know, you finish the cake, right? You finish the slice that was on your plate. And yet... So why was that stuck? There's no reason I'm, I'm all for eating anything. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not a, um, I'm a mindful eater, but I don't limit myself to what I eat. But at the same time, again, when you're stuck, you asked me in the beginning, what is it, how do I define being stuck? It means reality is a little clouded. So reality in that situation was you're satisfied. Your body is satisfied. It's giving you a signal to stop eating. You just had a meal And yet you're eating more, right? You're eating more because you're stuck on desire. You're thinking that whatever that thing is, in this case, it's food, is going to bring you happiness. And yet, of course, it doesn't bring you happiness. If anything, it's going to make you feel unhappy or maybe sick or not happy with your body when you're feeling overfull.
0: Well, there's one thing I noticed in talking with you, Shira, and that is that you seem happy. You seem relaxed. You have this demeanor about you that you just seem completely calm and relaxed. And I wonder, does that have anything to do with your morning routine? Because I know you have one. Can you share that with us?
1: Sure. So my morning routine typically includes yoga. I'm also a yoga instructor, so I practice some yoga on my own. I have four kids, so my goal is... Uh, ever since my first child was born, is to wake up before my children wake up. So I don't start my day with chaos, but I start it with peace and alignment. So that I'm not starting my day with however they wake up and whatever moods they're in. But I'm really taking control of how my morning is going to start. So I do try to do some yoga before they wake up. And I also have a meditation practice. I, ha- I set my alarm on my phone. I have several different minutes. It's either one minute if I have no time. It's three minutes, five minutes, 12 minutes, 20 minutes, or 30 minutes, it's depending how much time I have. Um, I, st- I, I just turn the clock on, and I practice my the style of meditation that I do, which is a mindfulness practice. Basically, I'm Using the breath to anchor myself in the present moment, noticing where my mind, my attention travels to, uh, because it always does. It's always traveling to the future, to the past. And then the moment I noticed that it traveled somewhere, I gently guide the attention back again to the breath. And it's like just a constant um, kind of circular practice of like keep bringing the mind back, keep bringing your attention back, keep bringing your attention back. So that's basically my morning routine until the kids wake up and then of course you know make the lunches make breakfast
0: (laughs) yeah then then everything changes i'm sure (laughs) so shira i've worked in bullying prevention for a number of years and i always like to ask a question about bullying and how it may relate to mindfulness how mindfulness may have made a difference do you have a story about bullying that you can share with mindful tribe
1: I do and if it's okay, I was thinking I would share a story where I was actually bullying myself.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Okay. so and this is something I actually find myself doing more often than I would than I would expect that I would do and I think actually I'm not alone in the world. I think all of us tend to do this. Um, so I'll give you an example that just happened actually a couple of days ago. I was in a, a situation where I needed to be out of my home and my husband wasn't going to be around and my I have four kids. My three older kids also weren't going to be around. So I needed help with my six-year-old. And we live in a very small community and Oftentimes our kids are inside and you know, of other people's homes and, and we're constantly kind of co-parenting. It's very common and it's very fun and it's easy. And so I picked up the phone and I asked one of my friends if they could please watch my son, who's six, right? He's not a baby, doesn't need to be, you know, his diaper doesn't need to be changed. You can put him in front of the TV for an hour, just for one hour. Right. It was in the middle of the day, it was around five o'clock. I knew they would be home and my friend responded saying no and saying that you know things were just there's just too much going on right now and and maybe another time and not only did i get upset with that person my friend what i found myself doing later was that i actually got upset with myself i was really bullying myself for having gotten upset with my friend because the truth of the matter is my friend was being honest, sure. right? She, could, she couldn't she could help out. No. My friend is a terrific and support. She's a wonderful person. And I know that if she could have, she would have done it in a second. Of course. And yet here I was thinking that she's this terrible person and how could she do this? And I'm better than her and I would never do that. I would always help. And, you know, kind of all these negative things thoughts and basically I, I really found myself bullying myself saying I mean it took me a while to get to that place to say wait a minute Shira what are you doing why are you acting like that why are you why are you being like that you know why are you why are you putting your like one of your really good friends down and and through that process of, the, of mindfulness basically of taking a stop looking at the situation looking at the greater picture looking at my thoughts checking in with my thoughts and recognizing that most of what I was thinking wasn't true anyway. I was able to come to this other place of accepting my friend and actually appreciating my friend for her honesty.
0: Well, that's really, really a great story to share because it does sound like the voice of a bully. That's for sure. And, you know, we all have those voices and, and sometimes we forget, hey, just a second, that's just a voice <laughs> that's, that's coming through. And it is a bullying kind of voice and I need to put a stop to it. So way to go that you did put a stop to it. That's excellent. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, Shira, my next questions are uh, just five quick answer questions. The first one is this, Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness?
1: Mm. So there are a lot of big name people that, of course, influenced my mindfulness. Um, A lot of authors and yoga, meditation. I have a whole library of them. Um, But actually, I have two aunts in my family who are... um, like the epitome of practicing mindfulness. And I would say that those are the people that have influenced me the most.
0: How has mindfulness affected your emotions?
1: I don't think mindfulness has affected my emotions at all. Actually. I think my emotions um, are my emotions and they're going to always be my emotions and I'm going to be completely full of emotions until I die I think what mindfulness has done was helped me, and especially my method, what it's helped me do is learn how to react to my emotions, how to um, allow myself to feel my emotions instead of run away from them, instead of try to resist them, instead of trying to cover them up. Um, This practice has helped me to say it's okay to be emotional. You have emotions, feel your emotions, you're human. and now take responsibility and see how you're going to be in the world with those emotions.
0: I really like that answer. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. You mentioned it briefly, but can you expand on that?
1: Um, so, Sure. So breathing for me is just basically the anchor to be, to be present. So when I'm teaching a yoga class, I encourage my students to make their breath audible. So when they hear their breath, it's almost a reminder to, to come back, right? Because that's basically what the whole practice of mindfulness is, right? It's constantly coming back to this moment. Because if we're living in the past, if we're living in the future, we're not being mindful. No. Um, and that, the breath is just an awesome tool that you can carry around with you. It's directly under your nose. You can use it anywhere. Nobody knows that you're using it. And it anchors you basically into this moment.
0: Besides your powerful book, Unstuck, can you mention another book that might be related to mindfulness that you found helpful?
1: So I really love Viktor Frankl's uh, Man's Search for Meaning. It doesn't mention the word mindfulness. In, in fact, this book was written in the probably 19, late 1940s, early 1950s, but his work, and his approach to living and his reflections on his experiences in the Holocaust are profound and are certainly based on the concept of mindfulness.
0: Can you share some kind of an app or a website which helps you to be more mindful?
1: That's a great question. I'll be honest with you. I am trying so hard to Detach myself from my phone and from the computer and from Facebook. I'm really trying hard because I'm realizing that I get stuck on those things. I get stuck on you know I open Facebook and then I get stuck on desire to like see the next thing and the next mm-hmm. thing and then and I'm I'm really trying hard to just kind of cleanse myself from so I don't have an app that um, that I use for mindfulness. The only app that I actually have on my phone, believe it or not, is a is podcast attic and that's where I listen to all my podcasts and so in that in that app there are like I have your show and so I listen to that for example but that's that's all I can give you
0: Sure. No, that makes perfect sense. Uh, You're not the first person that is said the best way is Uh, to detach yourself from this. mm -hmm. But, you know, everybody's different and some people have different suggestions. So I appreciate that. How can Mindful Tribe connect with you, Shira, and learn more about the work you do?
1: So they can find me on my website, which is thestuckmethod.com.
0: Great. Okay. And I would urge you, Mindful Tribe, to, to pick up the book, Unstuck, because it's filled with so much knowledge, so much information to help you. And if you ever have the chance to hear Shira speak at an event, because I know that you're a speaker now and you do so much work in this field, uh, just get out there and, and take that opportunity. So thank you so much, Shira, for being with us today.
1: Thank you. This was oh. a fun interview.
0: Oh great. All the best to you. Bye now.
1: Thank you. Bye.